turn to the book of James, the third chapter. The book of James in the third chapter. And we're going to read a few verses of scripture. And we're going to also read into the fourth chapter of the book of James. James chapter 3 and verse 13. Thank you, Lord. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For, and I want you to hear this, this, this is pretty profound. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, full of mercy, and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But, he giveth more grace. Oh, hallelujah. That's the God I serve. He giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. I want to concentrate our attention a little bit on this first portion of the fourth chapter. From, from whence come wars and fightings among you. And his concentration on how that we fight and how that we war. Talking about the human condition. And I want to preach for just a few moments on the subject, the war to end war. The war to end war. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Hallelujah. For your goodness to us. You are a blessing God, you are a saving God, you are a redeeming God. Hallelujah. You bring us, Lord, from darkness into light. You bring us from sadness into joy. You bring us from despair into hope. I pray tonight that as your word goes forth, that your word would have free course and find good ground in which to lodge and to grow from the root, O oh God, into a fruitful tree of righteousness in our hearts. We love you, we thank you, and we give you all praise. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated.
It was said, I have seen war, and I hate war. The term, the war to end war, has, was used in 1914, and it has become uh, somewhat embellished in modern time we think of this statement as actually being said the war to end all wars this was coined by H.G. Wells at the outset of World War One World War One was a war that the world had never seen before where world powers from separate continents would would come together and fight for their purposes and basically to sustain the world and to prevent the world from all falling into the hands of of madmen and so H.G. Wells in writing about this impending war that claimed millions multiplied millions of lives he made a statement that has now become somewhat of an infamous statement he called it the war to end war surely a war of this magnitude would be a war that would bring to conclusion the awful prospect of war itself surely these powers that clash on the global scene will find some resolution in this ultimate in his eyes final clash that will absolutely bring to rest the whole idea of war at all. And so he called it the war to end war. It was the name of a title of an article that he wrote and published. And of course, he was wrong. It wasn't the war to end war. And in fact, just about 30, 20 plus years later, there was another world war that broke out. This war was much deadlier than the original war. Than the supposed war to end war. This war was much deadlier. As a matter of fact, World War II was the deadliest war in the history of the world. They estimate that in total loss of life, there were over 60 million people in total that were killed. It was 3% of the world population in 1940 who died in World War II. So H.G. Wells had hoped, as did many, that World War I would be the war to end war. and World War II proved him wrong. And of course, the Korean War developed after that. This, this is from the perspective of the United States of America, not other wars throughout the world but from our perspective we know that the Korean War developed we know then that the Vietnam conflict of course the Cold War that spanned decades we understand that the Persian Gulf War and the War on Terror which has been underway since 2001 War is an awful thing. Now we understand from the word of the Lord, the scriptures teach us that there is a time for peace. 
and that there is a time for war. We understand that, but, but we also understand that war is not something we seek out. War is something that, that if it comes to us, we have to be ready for it. Not something that we initiate or instigate, but something that we are prepared to defend ourselves as a nation. But war is something that, that God never intended to be on the scene because death was never to be a part of the equation, let alone war. So James brings to us this question, from whence cometh wars? Where does war come from? Where does it originate? And it's a good question because you can't really deal with something until you know where it starts. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4, among the prophecies of Isaiah, he said in chapter 2 and verse 4, He shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah tells us of a day, oh glorious day, where we will not have to learn war anymore because nation won't rise against nation. Nation won't lift their sword against nation. And so we won't learn war anymore we won't study war anymore the old song says i laid all my burdens down by the riverside down by the riverside down by the riverside i laid all my burdens down by the riverside to study war no more i'm looking for the day ladies and gentlemen where war will no longer be necessary I'm looking for the day when there'll be peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. And so we long for that day and we look forward to that day. But it's important that we understand where wars originate because James took the time to ask the question, where do the wars come from? Let's figure this out. Because scattered throughout the scriptures are times of war. Scattered throughout the pages of holy writ are times when nation rose against nation. The children of Israel, was the, they, were the world's, uh, uh, they were the world's bully victim, if you please. The world bullied Israel every turn of the road and stole from them and deprived them of land and, and deprived them of house and deprived them of home and deprived them of family. And it has continued on through the ages. And if it had not been for the Lord who was on their side. It's, a, it's amazing, ladies and gentlemen, that these people, the people of Israel, have survived to 2016. There's a reason why they have one of the most outstanding militaries in the world. They have had to learn war to protect themselves, to defend themselves, 
to say that we're going to protect our citizens. We're going to protect our people. Don't mess with us. We won't mess with you. And they're serious about that. And everybody serves in the military. Every young lady serves for two years. Every young man serves for three years. And they're ready at a minute's notice to go right back into battle. I remember when I was there and I was, I was uh, uh, getting ready to leave for the day and I just went down to the fitness center to kind of get a little exercise in. And while I was getting a little workout in, I noticed that there were a lot of people there. They ranged in all ages. There, was, there were folks there that, that were much my senior Elderly people, and I mean, they were working out. They weren't, they weren't just doing a little bit of this and that. They were, they were, they were really, they were, they were out doing me, I'll tell you that. And, uh, and I thought, what in the world am I, and it dawned on me, oh, they're still training. They're still ready. They're ready should, should the notice come. They're ready should an invader invade. They're ready for war. They have learned war and they're prepared to do battle. And so we're living in a world where war exists. And it is a, it is a sad reality. And we ought to thank God every day in the United States of America that we do not see it on the mainland. We have been blessed by God with a strong national defense and with men and women who sacrifice their lives to preserve the freedom of the United States of America and to preserve the peace of the homeland. And we ought to praise, we ought to wake up in the morning praising God for them. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so James, James wants to get to the root of this. Because war is something, yes, it happens on a global stage. And yes, it happens on a national stage. But wars can exist on a local stage. Wars can exist in families. Wars can exist in communities. Wars can exist in homes. And wars can exist in churches. Wars can, can crop up out of nowhere. And James is asking the question, where are these wars coming from? I want to know what they are because we want to make sure that we are not feeding unnecessary war. We want peace. Peace. Peace like a river. Jesus called us peacemakers. And he said you're blessed if you're a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. Notice that he didn't call us peacekeepers. A peacekeeper is someone who walks into a situation that has peace and they maintain the peace. He said we are peacemakers. That means we walk into chaos and come out with peace. We walk into confusion and come out with order. We walk into problems and come out with solutions. We walk into devastation and come out with wholeness and peace. That's who you're anointed to be. Your words are to drip with peacemaking. Hallelujah. Your actions are to beray a peacemaker. You are a peacemaker, ordered of the Lord, ordained of the Lord. Don't let your words, your actions, or your thoughts be those that would contribute to war. Let me make sure we understand who, who we are at war with. We are at war with the enemy. And, and look, down, look down at the person next to you 
and then, and then kind of lean past them and look down at the person beyond that. And then look behind you. None of these folks are your enemies. You do have an adversary, and he's as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We don't wrestle with one another. Now, the devil would like to make us do that. He'd like to cause a war. He'd like to spark a controversy between you and your brother, you and your sister, you and your parents, you and your children, you and your spouse, you and your neighbor. But don't let him do it. James said, where are these wars coming from? What, from whence come wars and fighting? Where is this coming from? He said, come they not hence even of your lusts. That war in your members. Let's talk a little bit about what James said. First of all, James chapter 3. If, you, if you're just in the mood to be convicted, read James chapter 3. If you just need a good old-fashioned conviction, you hadn't been slapped around in a little while, and you just read James chapter 3. James chapter 3 will put you, me, and everybody else in their place right now. Because James chapter 3 said that our tongue, no man can tame the tongue. And he went further to say every beast of the field has been tamed of mankind. But no man can tame that unruly member of your mouth. Listen, listen to what, listen to what he, he said about it. He said in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. My goodness. Verse number five, he said, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity your tongue is a world of its own it is a world of sin it is a world of ungodliness it is a world of iniquity your tongue is you use your tongue to form and frame words your tongue uses your teeth your lips your mouth, the roof of your mouth, the bottom of your teeth, your gums to form words and frame words and, and, and stuff just flies out of our mouths and we don't even think about what we're saying. We don't even think about who we're talking about. We don't even think about who, we, who we're offending or who we're hurting. We just spout stuff, spewing stuff. And he said, oh, what great a matter. A little fire kindleth and the tongue is a fire. It is a world of iniquity that it defileth the whole body. Your tongue can defile the whole body. And it sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. Every kind of beast, bird, serpent, and things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. Mankind has succeeded in taming 
the king cobra, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, whales, shamu, but can't tame the tongue, can't bring this thing into order. And James is, is telling us, he's building a foundation. And he says, therefore, bless we God. Okay, that's Sunday morning. Therefore, we bless God, even the Father. That's Sunday morning. But then we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. So Sunday morning, we're blessing God. And Monday morning, we're cursing men. And he said, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. Let me tell you something. If you're going to praise God, you need to praise people who are made after the similitude of God. I didn't say worship them. I said praise them. You tell them that you love them. You tell them that they're good. You tell them that they're going to make it. You tell them that you have confidence in them. You give them a word of encouragement. You bless them. If you're going to bless God, bless people. He said, these things of blessing God and cursing man ought not to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no man both yield salt water and fresh water. You got to choose who you're going to be. And you got to choose what comes out of your mouth. This mouth is reserved for blessing. This mouth is reserved for encouraging. This mouth is reserved for edifying. This mouth is reserved for speaking. Hey, you listen, I'm not saying lie to folks. If you're going to speak the truth, though, you better speak the truth in love. Bless and don't curse. Bless and don't curse. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says, then who is a wise man? Who is endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or conduct. It's actually referencing conduct, lifestyle, and character. Let him show out of his conduct. Don't just say you're endued with knowledge. Don't just show us the degree that you have. Don't just show us the books that you have read. But show us through your works. Your knowledge and your wisdom. And show works with meekness of wisdom. Meekness of wisdom. You know, I find that the truest wisdom is meek. You can always delineate between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. By the level of humility involved. The most wise people you know are the most humble people you know. And some of the most earthly wise people you know are the most arrogant people you know. And you say, well, we need earthly wisdom. No, no, no. We're getting ready to find out what earthly wisdom is. Because you know what God calls earthly wisdom? God calls earthly wisdom foolishness. And he said the thought of foolishness is sin. You don't need earthly wisdom. Somebody said, well, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Incorrect. It's impossible to be heavenly minded and no good on earth. Heavenly mindedness is all about being earthly good. If you're heavenly minded, you're going to bring a lot of goodness to earth. And you're going to be very productive on earth if you're truly heavenly minded. So he goes on to say in, in verse 14, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not 
Lie not against the truth. Listen to what he says about this earthly wisdom. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly. Well, I need earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. Wrongo. You need heavenly wisdom. That's the only kind of wisdom there is. The other is falsely so-called. The wisdom that, that he describes that is earthly, he says, is earthly, is sensual, is devilish. You know, it's interesting because some people think that little prefix or suffix, ish, is a modern vernacular. It's its own word now. It means kind of, sort of, ish. He said, it's, it's kind of, sort of, the devil when we have earthly wisdom. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. I don't know if we understand how, how indicting that is of our, own, of our own fleshly nature. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And may I remind you, God is not the author of confusion. So if you have you if you allow envying and strife in your heart, then you are allowing something to be authored in your life that's not of God. And there's an author and there's a finisher of that. But the wisdom, hallelujah, that is from above is first pure. The very first thing that wisdom from above is, is pure. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And he came from above. It's first pure. Then that peace, that wisdom is peaceable. Then that wisdom is gentle. Then that wisdom is easy to be entreated. He's approachable. He's full of mercy. He's full of good fruits. He's without partiality and he is without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them, that's us, that make peace. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence of your lusts that war in your members? In verse 5 he said, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. Very important that we declare war on envy and strife. We must not allow envy in our hearts Envy is not something that has any place in the life of the Christian. Job chapter 5 verse 2 said, Wrath kills the foolish man. Envy slays the silly one. Proverbs 14 and 30 says, Envy is a rottenness of the bones. Proverbs 27 4, Wrath is cruel. Anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand? Before envy. When envy gets down inside of somebody's heart and somebody's soul, it will lead them to every kind of confusion, lead them into every kind of evil work. This is why the Lord said, Thou shalt not covet. He was trying to prevent you from ever laying hold on envy. Covetousness is the birthplace of envy. 
It is the root of envy. When you start looking out into another person's life and you start coveting their possessions, when you start coveting their promotions, when you start coveting how people view them, coveting how God has blessed them, you are setting the stage for envy to take up residence in your heart. You need to let God bless who he will bless. And you need to let God deal with who he will deal with. We all go through seasons in our lives. Some seasons are seasons of blessing. And some seasons are seasons of testing. But God is God. And we need to let God continue to be God. Don't covet when he blesses one person and he doesn't bless you in the same way. We need to take seriously the admonition, the command of the Lord to weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. This removes envying from our spirit. When we look upon the heartbreak or the calamity of an individual, we should weep with that individual. And when we look upon the blessing and the promotion or benefit of an individual, we should rejoice with that individual. When one of us hurts or is wounded, every one of us should feel the pain and pray. And when one of us is exalted, every one of us should celebrate and rejoice for what the Lord has done. No envy in our hearts. No strife in our spirits. Nothing in us that will detract from how we look at our brother and our sister in the Lord. If you sit around and you wish that it could be you, that becomes a rottenness to your bones. When you sit around and you wish that you would have had something different, that you would have had it uh, different and better, Ladies and gentlemen, that becomes a rottenness to your bones. Rejoice in who God has made you. You know, I'm glad Daniel didn't get mad that he wasn't Moses. I'm stuck here in Babylon. Moses got to part Red Seas. And I'm stuck here in Babylon praying. I'm glad he, did. I'm glad he knew he had a role. I'm glad he knew he had a job. I'm glad he understood that, hey, this, I wouldn't have picked this. I wouldn't have picked getting stuck in Babylon. I wouldn't have picked having to wrestle with the prince of Persia in my prayer meetings. But this is where God has me. And this is what I'm doing for the Lord. And I have a role to play in this. And let me tell you something. In 2016, we're looking at what God gave Daniel as to what we should understand about the end of day. Because he had a role. He wasn't envious that Abraham got to be the father of the faithful. He wasn't envious that, that David, oh, has slain his ten thousands. Saul got envious of that. But Daniel didn't get envious of that. It was celebrated. This anointing that was on David's life was celebrated. Let me give you an example. Let me give you something to understand from 2 Samuel chapter 3 concerning envy. You, if you have envy in your hearts, you are fighting a losing battle. That envy comes from the pride in you and you are fighting a losing battle. 
2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. Now there was long war. War. Where are these wars coming from? Between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger. And the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. You know where that war came from? That war started when Saul was riding down the road and the maidens leaned out their windows and sang this beautiful new song. It was a, it was a hit. It topped the charts. And Saul was like listening to the first verse. And he was enjoying it. Saul has, I don't know how it went. I'm not going to try. Saul has slain his thousands. And he was like, ooh, I like that. I like that. It's got a little beat to it. Catchy little tune. Saul has slain his thousands. But he didn't like the second verse. Because the second verse was, David has slain his ten thousands. And when he heard that this is how history is going to record the legacy of Saul versus the legacy of David, he got it all backward. He let covetousness set in and he let envy spring up in his heart. And the Bible said that he was jealous against David. He was envious toward David. And when he began to envy David, that's where the war started. Now every time he saw David, he had a little something against him. Every time David would waltz in there and play his harp and sing his song and slay his giant, Saul had a little something against him until finally... The envy boiled over, and Saul found himself doing something he never dreamed he would do. And he was throwing a javelin across the room. And David was dodging, and the war began. Where did this war come from? It came from unchecked envy. Unchecked covetousness. It started when we started entertaining thoughts against our brother and our sister. It started when we began to think that somehow they had some advantage that we didn't have. Listen, no, no, a thousand times. No, be content with what God has done in your life. And if God has more, and he does, oh, he does. He does, he does, he does. But seek him for it. Don't seek your own. Don't seek your own advantage a man's gift will make room for him if you try to build the room you'll either build too small or to build too big but if you let God make room for your gift oh Hallelujah. Oh, I'm at peace tonight because I've just decided, you know, I am who I am. I'm a preacher of this gospel of Jesus Christ. There's so much that I'm not good at. There's so much that I can't do. And there's so much that a lot of people can do better than me. But I know what I can do. I can pray. I can call on God. I can touch the face of God. I can hear his voice and I can help somebody. I know that. I know that. I know that. And let me tell you something. God will resist the proud, but he'll give grace unto the humble. So the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker while the house of David becomes stronger and stronger. 
This is what happens with envy. If you are the envious one, you will get weaker and weaker. But if you are the humble one, you will get stronger and stronger. Where do these wars come from? Where do these wars go? Where do these wars come from? Sometimes people don't even know why they're fighting a war. Don't even know why they don't like somebody. I just don't like them. <laughs> something about them. Something about them. Something about them. I just... Then pray and love. Show kindness. Let that wisdom from above settle in your soul. Pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, full of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom that is from above. Hallelujah. Jacob, Jacob just, listen, Jacob just... He loved Joseph. He loved all of his sons. He did. He loved all of his sons. But, but there was something about Joseph. And, and this is what it was. He was the firstborn of Rachel. And he really loved Rachel. Jacob had lived a hard life. He had... He had he had gotten himself into a lot of trouble. He had this honesty issue. He had this honesty problem. He wrestled with envy of his own brother's birthright, of his own brother's blessing. Why does he get all the blessing? Why does he get all the birthright? And he wrestled with this envy until, until he, he deceived his way into the blessing, deceived his way into the birthright. Now there's war between him and Esau. That's where, they, that's where the war starts. It starts with somebody giving way to envy. And Jacob runs for his life. He finds Rachel. He looks at her and says, I could marry that girl. He does marry her. But seven years after he marries Leah, who he thought was Rachel. Could, I mean, this man has been done wrong, folks. He finds out the next morning that it's Leah. And he goes to Laban and he's like, um, excuse me. We have a little issue here. And Laban says, well, you work for me another seven years and you'll be fine. Are you kidding me? And so Jacob's life has been tumultuous. And, and, and he does finally marry Rachel. But Rachel has a barren womb. The one that he has loved always has a barren womb. The one that he has always wanted to raise a family with, he can't raise a family with her. She's frustrated, so frustrated that she grabs him by the lapels and says, Give me children or I'm going to die. And he reacts in anger. His anger was kindled against her. And he said, Am I God? Do I look like God to you? It was very tense. It was very difficult between Jacob and Rachel. And when God blessed her womb with a son, all of his feelings toward Rachel were attributed to that little boy. And he loved Joseph. And the other brothers couldn't figure it out. 
Listen, you don't have to figure it out. It fulfilled something in Jacob. It didn't make him love them any less. It didn't make him think of them any less. But when that boy was born, he represented something to Jacob. And so Jacob ended up giving him something that the other brothers never got. He gave him a coat of many colors. Now, that doesn't sound like much today, but back then they couldn't just run down to Dillard's and grab a coat of many colors. So it was, a, it was something special. And, and, and they didn't get a coat of many colors. And Joseph is obviously receiving so much from Jacob. And, and, and then to make matters worse, Joseph starts having little dreams about being better than everybody. And that, that compounds the issue. And envy is raging inside of these other brothers. They don't like his relationship with his father. Have you ever been there, ladies and gentlemen? Have you ever been there when you're working as hard as everybody else and you're trying as much as they are and then all of a sudden somebody gets elevated with a coat of many colors and you don't? You better watch. Because the enemy would love to creep in there and start a war. He'd love to, he would love to cause your bones to rot. He would love to anger your mind, disturb your spirit. And you think anger is outrageous. You think wrath is cruel. Who is able to stand before envy? Envy will bring down the greatest of people. Envy will cripple even what God wanted to do in somebody's life. If envy gets into your members. And so as they stood off. Now listen. God had great things. Levi. Do you know what Levi was going to do? Levi. His children were going to be the priests of the Lord. Who made atonement for the children of Israel. God had a plan for Levi. Moses was a Levite. He was going to deliver Israel out of Egypt. Are you kidding me Levi? Why are you jealous of Joseph? God's got a plan for you and your children. Don't be envious of God's plan for Joseph. Judah. Judah, come on now, Judah. Come on now, Judah. Your great, 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 great grandson is Jesus. Are you kidding me? You're going to be envious of Joseph getting a coat of many colors? David is your grandson. Jesus is your grandson. The scepter shall not depart from you, Judah. Don't let envy get your mind off course. Get your eyes off track. God has a plan for you. God's going to bless you. And he's going to bless your family. And I'm going to tell you something. If you let envy get inside of your spirit, God could shift it over to somebody else. Because listen, he will resist the proud. He'll do it every time. That's why I resist pride. I resist pride in the name of Jesus. Because if I don't resist pride, God will resist me. Hallelujah. Have you ever felt the wind of God at your back? 
Have you ever felt the wind of God at your back with that heavy force of wind thrusting you into his purpose, thrusting you into his joy, thrusting you into his blessings, blessings you don't deserve, you don't even know where they came from, just all of a sudden something happens and all you can say is look at God, look what the Lord hath done, he healed my body, he touched my mind, he saved me just in time. I'm going to praise his name. Jesus is just the same. That's when God is giving you favor. But if you're going to be proud, that same wind will resist you. It won't be, it won't be pushing you in the direction. If you turn and walk in the way of envy, then you're walking against the blessings of the Lord. He will resist you. Don't get your eyes off track. But here he came, Joseph, with, with a message from the father. And the brothers were filled with envy as they looked off at Joseph coming their way. And it, it, it led them to do things they never dreamed they would do. My God. They, 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 they threw that boy in a pit. They took that coat of many colors that they so despised him for having and they slew an animal and they soaked that animal's blood, soaked that coat in animal's blood, took it back to Jacob, put it in front of him and said, Joseph is dead. While Joseph was alive and sold into slavery by them and they watched their dad crumble down into, the shell, into a shell of his former self. That's what envy will lead people to do. Stuff you'd never dream of doing. But envy can lead you down a dark, dreary path that will lead you straight to a devil's hell. And I've come to declare war on envy. You are special in God's sight. God sees something so beautiful in you. God cares about you. Hallelujah. He knows the way that you take. When he hath tried you, you shall come forth as gold. Hallelujah. God knows. God knows. Hallelujah. God has a plan for you. God has a desire for you. He's going to give you an expected end. He knows the thoughts that he has for you. The Bible makes it very clear that when Jesus was crucified, that it was envy at the root of it all. It was envy. Jesus comes waltzing in, and people are just drawn to him, gravitated to him. And those who wanted to see him crucified were moved with envy. When Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel, in Acts chapter 17, while Paul was preaching the gospel at Mars Hill, very clearly, the Bible says, though, that the Jews were moved with envy. Envy will move you. Envy will shove you into decisions you wouldn't normally make. That's, you want to know where wars come from? That's where wars come from. You want to know where division comes from? That's where division comes from. The lusts of your flesh warring in your members. Envy warring in your members. Envy warring. Many, many of you have been salt, 
assaulted by envious people and you don't even know where it came from but envy so enraged them that they lashed out at you and threw a verbal javelin your way and you didn't know where it came from you don't know why it, why it was there but it was envy it was envy it was envy some of the things you've done in life some of the things you wish you could take back originated with envy that you allowed into your heart and into your life oh god help us the war the real war to end war is the war of the Spirit. It's the war of when you go down on your face and say, God, I release every bad feeling, every unclean thought, every ill will that I might have toward my neighbor, my brother, my sister. I release it to you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't let envy in your spirit. Don't let pride in your spirit. Don't let lust of the flesh in your spirit. Don't let it get a hold of your heart because it will lead you down the wrong path and it will set on fire. The course of nature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible said, Isaiah said it, we read it earlier, that we are to beat our swords into plowshares. Lay down your weapon. Lay down your weapon. Somebody said, well, I got a, I've got a sharp tongue. Then unsharpen it. Somebody said, well, I just give folks a piece of my mind. You need to give them peace of mind. And don't, you know, I just, I guess I just don't, I just don't, I just don't think so much of my mind. I mean, I, I, my mind isn't, there's not a lot here worth folks having. My opinions aren't that great. They're not spectacular. They're, they're most, they're proven wrong so many times. I don't want to know what I think. I want to know what does the Lord say? My God, my God, my God. Lay down your sword. Lay down your weapon. Lay down your javelin. Throw it down. Cast it aside. Leave it alone. Don't let envy get a hold of you. Don't let covetousness get a hold of you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Sow the fruit of righteousness. Hallelujah. Sow the fruit of righteousness. Glory to God. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord in this place. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's love Him together right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, my God. Blessed be the name of the Lord, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's love him, folks. Let's love him. Let's praise him, church. Let's praise him. You want to know if you're thinking wise is it pure is it peaceable that decision you're about to make is it pure is it peaceable is it gentle 
Is it easy to be entreated? The way you're about to treat that person, is it full of mercy? Is it full of good fruits? Can you honestly say that it is without partiality? And can you say that it is without hypocrisy? That's the wisdom that is from above. The other wisdom is earthly, sensual, devilish. And where envying and strife is, there is confusion. And every evil work. Lord, deliver us from envy. Deliver us from strife. Deliver us from the confusion that envy and strife would like to bring into our spirits. Deliver us from every evil work the enemy would like to plant into our lives. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Can somebody stand with me in this place? Let's have a war to end this war. Let's have a real war to end this war. Come on, never again, never again, never again. No, no, no. I refuse to envy one more person. (laughs) I refuse to envy one more person. If God has blessed you, then God bless you. Woo, hallelujah. I said, if God has blessed you, then God bless you. And if God is testing you, then here I am to love you and to pray for you. To encourage you in the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I surrender all to you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everything I give to you. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. And I surrender.
Yeah. 